listening to another episode of the Niagara Moon podcast. If you're joining us once again, welcome back, Moondog. Uh, or if you're listening for the very first time, this is the Niagara Moon podcast. And you guessed it, I do this primarily for fans of Niagara Moon. We're often talking about uh, albums of note, but uh, we can do other stuff as well. In this case, for today's episode, myself, Dan Barracuda, a regular co-host and fantastic songmaker in his own right, as well as Joe uh, joining us once again. Joe is a uh, high school art teacher and a patron of mine and very, very studious uh, music fan. Fantastic presence to, uh, to have him on the show. And uh, yeah, the three of us today are talking about Elton John and more specifically my favorite Elton John album, Honky Chateau. And that's really all to say about it. I think we're going to kick it off. Enjoy. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I I only had two two ways to listen to it this time. Sadly, I do not own it on CD, but I did. The vinyl is in, packaged in a really interesting way. It doesn't have the little side slit. It has like almost it folds into itself and opens up. Um, I don't have it on me right now, but it's oh fun. wow, <laughs> cool. 1971, right or 70? 72, or I think. Great year for oh. music. Yeah, Honky Chateau. I mean, I just love the the title of that album. That just screams know, you're gonna have a good time. You get a you get a rare, rarely sighted bearded Elton on the cover too. He looks better with a beard. He pulls it I off think. well. He pulls it off well. So, uh, are you got? Where are you guys with with Elton? Are you big fans, casual listeners? How how far back does it go for you? Oh, I'm a huge fan. So I bet I bet that Joe <laughs> knows way more Elton than so, I do. I'm kind of like Pink Floyd. Like, I love, like, you know, like, I'm like a dark side wall, um, you know, like, like late 70s. You're progressive Floyd, rock guy. Yeah, yeah so I, I don't know, like, deep, deep, deep cuts, Elton, but, I, but what I do know, I just, like, love. I just love. Like, I love Rocket, man. It's like, when Ian and I play live, it's like one of our fa- absolute favorite songs to play. We've moved people to Aww. tears playing Rocket, man. Like, people have, like, cried, and it's like, wow. So it's like... It's, it's like easily our top five favorite songs to play. And remind me your experience with Honky Cat. I love Honky Cat. I so I worked at I worked at a enrichment center for kids for seven years in in Massachusetts when I lived there, and um, they had the same playlist all all seven years, <laughs> and it, it was a big playlist. But I heard the same songs, you know, the same like 150 songs or whatever for seven years. So I know Honky Cat like super well because it was it was on that playlist. <laughs> So it was Crocodile uh, Rock. I know Crocodile Rock. Really did did well. you even listen to Honky Cat this week, or did you have to skip it just having heard it? I actually skipped <laughs> yeah. it. I actually skipped it. I didn't hear it. <laughs> you can just play it in your head anytime you want. Yeah. Um, so I'm a big Tool fan, and in their second album, Undertow, uh, Maynard, he sounds so much like Elton. Like he sings like Elton. Mm. He's got like that. You know, Elton has kind of like, like a yeah. southern flair. Like oh, change. Gonna he do pretends to be southern sometimes. Yeah, it's, like uh, yeah. tumbleweed connection is is. There's tons of songs singing from the perspective of like a Confederate soldier. It's pretty bizarre. Yeah, but yeah. He, he's got that uh, twist in his music. 
for sure. And and Maynard Maynard in that album, he it's like he tries to emulate M, uh, Elton. That's crazy. And he actually covers the Rocket Man later on in, in Maynard's career. So so I was like, I know yeah. he's a big Elton fan. And uh, Joe, how many Elton John vinyls do you currently own? Oh, I know. I, I I'm gonna. I believe I have more Elton than anyone else. Uh, and it's funny because oh, I wow. counted it before, oddly on a side tangent, because I was actually looking at my David Bowie albums, and I'm like, I have an upsettingly small amount of David Bowie albums. <laughs> um, and then I was like, oh, Holy and cow. I just counted them. I think I have 12 Elton vinyls. So um, I have his first album on vinyl, which I'm really happy about. Um, wow. I've got Wait, Empty Sky. Uh, yes, I've got Empty Whoa. Sky. I've got the self-titled. <laughs> I have Friends because I guess I'm a completionist. Because <laughs> never uh, even heard of that one. Uh, that's like his third album because it was Empty Sky, Elton John, Friends, his live album recorded, Tumbleweed, uh, Madman Across the Waters, and then Honky Chateau at number five. Yeah. Um, but no, yeah, I have I have a lot of those. Uh, I have a lot of the albums, and then I. I'm pretty sure I go all the way up until Rock of the Westies, and then I fade out and come back in at too low for zero in the '80s. Um, so yeah, no, I'm I'm knowledgeable on Elton. <laughs> Sounds like it. Uh, uh, did he put out yeah. albums in the '90s? In the uh, 90s? Just a little thing called the Lion King soundtrack. <laughs> yeah. How about like yeah, solo albums, like hit like his stuff, like with with Bernie? I believe so, because I know. Uh, I know, I think 90s would have been, because Nikita was the 80s. Um, I think that was around the time when he did stuff like The Union with, uh, that was that might have been 90s. I know early 2000s was stuff like Peachtree Road was 2004. And I know before then, I'm trying to think of things like Red Strikes Back was in the 90s. Um, did he work with Bernie Taupin the whole way through, like that that many years? I believe so. Wow. I'm ninety five percent sure. I think there were definitely bits where he didn't, with like some excursions, like of course Tim Rice with Lion King. Uh, yeah. But I know he's been a through line throughout. Where even after in the early two thousands, with stuff like Captain and the Kid sequel to uh, Captain Fantastic and the Brown Dirt Cowboy, that was yeah. of course intricately worked out. But mm-hmm. yeah, Elton has my first CD that I ever remember buying slash asking to be bought for me uh when i was little was um elton john's greatest hits wow uh so i remember to give you an even bigger throwback and i don't know if the channel's even around anymore i saw him on a vh1 show playing crocodile rock and uh and saturday night's all right for fighting i love that i have such a deep love for that song i love that song and a mix of like the high energy and like him just dressing up in all these wild outfits with these flamboyant glasses. Uh, him, along with Bowie, who I would latch onto later in life, uh, not much later, but a little later, were kind of my role models for like, I want to be as confident as these people are one day. Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah. So, or at I least appear that way. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, true. <laughs> So I have vivid memories of listening to my Elton John's greatest hits with like a pair of aviators that I found from my mom (laughs) and like trying to pretend to be that like on stage like that. So Elton's gotten got me through a lot and it was a fun time. That's really cool. Mm. How about you, Thomas? So, well, admittedly, I would say I'm a fair weather Elton John fan. 
So the songs of his I like, I really like, and I would consider like very influential for Niagara Moon, just being a songwriter and pianist. Like, yeah, there's definitely his his vibe is in some of my music for sure, and uh, some some classic, undeniable songs, just impeccable standards like Rocket Man. I mean, the reason I chose this album in particular is it definitely has like most of my favorite Elton John songs, Honky Cat. Uh, I, I do quite like I Think I'm Going to Kill Myself. Think I'm going it's, to kill myself. It's a fun song. You know, you got the, you got the classics like Levon and I love Amarina. Levon is so amazing. Levon's my brother's favorite. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, you can just, you can rattle him off. The guy has just so many undeniable piano-based, soulful, like, pop wonderments. And I do truly appreciate him for that. Yeah. And there's, there's always going to be that there. Um. When I don't click with Elton, he he loses me. I it's it's very extreme. It's either I love him or it just doesn't end up quite being my my kind of music. Is there a big song of his that you don't really like? What's a big song of his that you? Really uh, don't? I mean, I don't remember feeling so favorably about like "Candle in the Wind" or even I I gotta say a lot of his any of his songs that aren't really really big usually. It's 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 a little too pop for me. He's he's somebody who's so big in the pop world. He's like almost like too big for my tastes. It's like you like I'm still standing. I'm still standing is okay. I like that. You. That's one of the better ones. I I mean, it's like someone saved my life tonight. I don't. You know what it is? It's anytime he tries to be sincere or like, <laughs> all right, I'm gonna bring you all together. When he goes Disney, <laughs> I mean it's it's ironic that he worked on uh, the Lion King. But when it, when it's like I am just one of the pop music pillars, and my music, my anthems are going to bring us all together in solidarity. Uh, I mean it's I, I want him funky, and I want him loose, and I want it like all right. Salvation on this album, he totally loses me. Oh, Salvation, I like that. I, I don't, when he's, his more sincere, like, you know, singing on behalf of humanity side, I, I don't do that. So I'm just, I'm going to, I'm going to focus on his, uh, the, the funky cat. That's, that's where I Get go. What do, you, uh, cat. what do you think about Slave? Because I always see those two as like a duo and Slave definitely yeah. gets a little yeah, bit funkier. S- I feel like Salvation definitely has those long drawn out salvation yeah. and that's where it- I I agree that they're kind of they're they're similar to me slave was was a little less egregious but <laughs> egregious those are still two songs on the album that it's all taste it's just it's it's the part of him that doesn't click for me as much and Mona Lisa's and Mad Hatter's is also a little I I don't want social commentary from Elton John I want just funky adventure Thomas my heart <laughs> My, I know. I'm sorry, guys. But so I'm getting that out of the way early. But most of this album, I'm like, ooh, I love this band. I love his voice. I love the piano playing. I love just the funky, casual nature of these songs. Like everything's fitting into place. His voice is so ridiculously good. Mm. <laughs> it's very unique, very distinct. He kills it in friggin' mellow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh yeah, no, that's definitely one of the highlights. You know what's so, you know what's uh, one thing I like about Elton vocally speaking is that he does this thing where he's like he's like yeah uh it's like the yeah, last it's a lot lift. of notes in at the end no, he's yeah. like, uh, he always goes like he always does like a slight lift at like so many Fain, of his- just gonna do me good yeah it's good. like yeah 
I love, yes, that's one of my favorite aspects of, of his style is the little, you know, all the little nuances he fits into his vocals. Like like on such a tireless uh, flight. Flight, yeah. No, I love, I love all that. Yeah, so cool. So much control. Oh, yeah. It's crazy. Like the 70s is like the, his like, you know, huge decade for him, but the nineties is probably bigger. I mean, he had Candle like the biggest single selling single of all time and the Lion King. Mm-hmm. That's true, yeah. Yeah, he's he's gigantic. And he's even gigantic in twenty in the twenty tens because of Rocket Man. It's mm-hmm. like he's still gigantic. He's yeah. still relevant. Rocket so- Man is his best song, maybe. That's just such a perfect song. It is a fantastic yeah. song. Perfect recording. Oh, the recording is so beautiful. You want to talk about the? You want should we talk about Rocket Man? Like the guitar, it's like it just sounds like it's going to the moon. And the background vocals and the synth that comes in in the, the second verse and just everything about it and how it builds up, it's masterful. And the lyrics. To talk about that a little bit too, like just about how everything came together. I saw a lot of review because I look up a lot of reviews when I'm when we're going into a, a podcast recording. Um, and everyone kept yeah. bringing up, rightfully so, that it kind of feels like this album is the start of like his, him coming into himself fully as a musician, and I would heartily and agree. And this and this yeah. album is also where he got those backing vocal singers and kept them for a lot of his future recordings, like the people, like the backup on Rocket Man, the backup on uh, a lot yeah. of the tracks, and then this is also when he got his band like fully on the entire album so for like prior albums his road exactly, band right uh like john d Stone. murray and nigel olsen such a crucial part of this album those yep, two and guys davy johnson with the guitar murray's bass yeah and olsen i believe is drums and then davy johnson is the guitarist with like that steel guitarist yep, you got it um yeah that's his best band he's ever had right like that's just core for, oh app hands down hands down and Every all those elements came together, and I didn't even realize fully that before. Now he, they were on there slightly, but they always had session musicians for for other bits. But all the all the cogs and pieces came together to make yeah. such beautiful music, which got him to the top of the charts and stayed there for seven full album releases, seven number ones yeah. in a row. So huge. Streak. He had seven num- seven number ones in a row. Seven number ones in a row. <sighs> In, in, in 1972 or like uh, this 70- is the first the, it yep. went from Honky Chateau all the way up until uh, do you know Joe? Uh, if I if I remember right it's Captain Fantastic because it goes Honky Chateau um, Don't, Don't Shoot, shoot me, me, I'm Only the, only piano, the player. piano Player Yellow Brick Road God it's album after album uh, and then it kind of fizzles I'm honestly surprised Rock of the Westies made it to number one <laughs> Is that the one with Island Girl? Uh, no Believe it or not, that's that's yellow brick. Um, oh, but that's yeah, that's that's part of that's the little part of yellow brick road where I'm like, I mean, it's still a bop. I still get it stuck in my head. Um, but yeah, there's uh, Caribou, Rock of the Westies, and then the last one in the album lineup I think is Captain Fantastic and the Brown Dirt Cowboy, mm. and then it goes to Blue Moves, which didn't make it. <laughs> um, oh man, he turned them out, huh? Yeah, no, and it was in such a short period of time too. If I remember, it was like, I believe it was in under a decade, um, which is insane. And that's what a lot of people were speculating too. They're like, when it got to the end with things like Rock of the Westies, it's like, I mean, he's got to be getting burnout at this point. Yeah, 
Yeah, never mind all the touring and the substance abuse and just the pressures mm. of fame. And so this is why I like this album so much. I think is because it's before all that, but it's right after like all the pieces musically are finally in place. It's this perfect sweet spot for me. Mm-hmm. Was Tiny Dancer a huge hit, or uh, was it? Did it take a little bit? Because it's it, long. It was a hit, from what I read and what I understand. Your song was like the hit. And that was like Elton's here. And then things like Leave On Tiny Dancer um, and a couple other songs like were big, but they didn't get huge splashes. I, I saw them referred to in one article as like AM songs, mm, like uh, AM, radio. AM radio stations. The smoother um, stuff. Yeah, which is understandable because if you put all those songs back to back, none of them have like a bit of a more of a like a catchy pop flair, like a honky cat. Um, like you said, Tiny Dancer is a longer song. It's more thoughtful and, and kind of put out. Uh, Levon is too, of course. I'm kind of surprised Burn Down the Mission never got super, <laughs> super big. Mm. But yeah. So with Honky Cat too, with uh, Honky Cat and Rocket Man doing both sides of that, one more introspective along the lines of the previous and Rocket Man, and one that I feel like is a little bit more pop and like quick listen friendly i think that was part of the formula that brought this to number one as well yeah yeah man if i had just my pick of any rhythm section in history to work with just dead or alive i i mean these nigel olson d murray and elton john on piano i i don't can't do much better for that mm. in the pop world they're so is good. that the same band on benny and the jets is that the same band on uh I'm almost yeah, certain. Uh, they they stuck with him for a while, right? Yeah, for the longest time. I think there there were he was they were with him for more times than not. Yeah. I love Benny and the Jets. Love Benny and the Jets. Benny and the Jets is a is a trip. Yeah. See, I think my favorite Ellen John song of all time is probably "Goodbye Yellow Brick Road." Psychedelic nature of it. I it's so it. musical. Like it sounds like it would be in a musical. Yeah, I yeah. love the verses. I love the verses so, so much. So theatrical. Back to the howling old owl in the woods, hunting the honey back toad. toad. Oh, so good, dude. So what's your favorite Elton, Joe? Where, you know, where do you I've, go to most? You know, I've been trying to think about that as you were all saying it, and I feel like it's so hard for me to pinpoint. Ironically, uh, I don't know if it's just because at my school they play at mod- a moderate amount, like in the chorus and stuff. I'm starting to get tired of I'm Still Standing, which I never thought would happen. Mm. <laughs> um, but they just it's its just a, a one that a lot of students both know, and I guess our chorus plays it. Um, so I'm like, mm, we can we could put our hold on I'm Still Standing for a little bit. <laughs> um, you know, I... I don't know. I mean, I like the one that's that I've been listening to a lot lately have been stuff like Burn Down the Mission and um, Skyline Pigeon. I mean, I like I said, I, I well, you know, I go for weird deep dives. So yeah. Wait, is Skyline um, Pigeon, the really kind of Baroque one. From, yeah. From an earlier album. I think I heard that in the credits to uh, the movie The Favorite. So that was really oh, trippy yeah. at the mm. end. Mm. hearing that song I, it fit really well though made me want to listen to it okay yeah i would say i honestly i think my favorite album that i usually go to ends up being yellow brick road but i will say i also always come back to honky cat <laughs> um just kind of the bounciness of the yeah. song in general honky so. cat yeah get back too bad it got ruined honky for dan cat. but that's that's one of my top <laughs> yeah 
heard it one too many times, but I love it. I still love it. I will say too, I think what's what makes me love a song like Burn Down the Mission so much is that in that one, I think in more than any other Elton John song I could think of in a studio recording and then seeing him do it live, it lets him really show off how fantastic of a piano player he is. Mm. Like, I feel like some songs, like as much as I love some things like Saturday Night's Alright for Fighting um, and even Crocodile Rock or Benny and the Jets. Benny and the Jets I don't like Crocodile Rock. Rock. Just going to throw that out there. You don't like Crocodile Rock? It's so cheesy to me. I'm sorry. It is. It is. You're not wrong. But I feel like those so like... <laughs> uh, you don't like those those repetitive high pitch uh, notes? It's too jokey, but like unabashedly so. I don't know. You're fair. That's fair. Um, but like with songs like that, I feel like you could barely hear, if at all, his piano, and you right. sometimes I want to hear his. I want to hear his funky piano playing. Yeah, and like if you get to just hear those songs, and if you only know him for those, and even stuff like I'm Still Standing, you barely hear it. Yeah. Like you, you kind of forget that he's this virtuoso on the piano, um, and so rhythmically intuitive. Like he just mm-hmm. has such a fine touch. And like I saw, and I know I remember I saw a live performance of his like on YouTube from I think it was either the eighties, and he just at one point he played it with one hand and then he got down on the floor where he wasn't looking at the piano and then he played it while he was like reaching up to play the piano like just of showing off and i'm like geez uh, i wish i wish more of his popular songs showed off just his range of technical ability on the piano yeah i mean yeah. that that brings me back to my little elton john conspiracy theory which is he's he got like too big almost in a way it just yeah. he was he was too much of a pop music juggernaut phenomenon that had to maintain a certain level of commercial appeal and momentum and more songs and more songs and more songs and I I, I feel like that I mean it's it's all taste and you know people might love just the entirety of his, of his catalog but I feel like I would have see I, I'm more of a David Bowie guy and he's someone who I can just album after album find something new I like and, and appreciate just the, the finer part points of his artistry. Whereas Elton John just, it, it was, seems so dead set on becoming as big as possible. I don't know if that was conscious on his part or what happened exactly, but it, you know, number one selling single of all, of all time, at least at the time with candle of the wind and all that. It's just, he went beyond a level that I'm usually able to, to tune into. Mm. Well, how was he in the eighties? What happened? To, what did Elton Cocaine. do in the 80s? <laughs> Okay. <laughs> bought a football team a soccer team as we call it here yeah um no i mean yeah his 80s is kind of where i lose him a lot i know singles from there but i don't think any of the albums except for maybe yeah. too low for zero or ones that i really vibe with he's got hits like that's when don't go breaking my heart came out i think oh yeah don't go breaking my with kiki d yeah he did that song that's that's a big one yeah yeah uh there's that there's stuff like nikita uh i forget is, i'm still standing on the 80s yeah i'm still that's standing 80s, in the 80s yeah. if i'm not mistaken um that's too low for zero too i think um sacrifice don't let the sun go down on me when did he do that 70s i think late 70s 
How about I guess that's why they call it the blues? Eighties. <laughs> I can get decades with the eighties. Yeah. I don't know if I can pinpoint it to a single. Well, uh, <laughs> get, getting back to uh, to Honky Chateau in particular, we're talking nineteen seventy-two. Yeah. We're talking fifth mm-hmm. album. I was kind of surprised he had done that many only by this point because you really think of him as coming to his own in the 70s wow it's uh did you say honky chateau is his fifth album fifth album Mm -hmm. holy fifth studio album if you really want to be super nitpicky you could even some might even consider it the fourth because one of those five albums was friends which was basically a movie soundtrack oh god he's doing movie soundtracks too the, which for a movie that no one knows because it flopped, but you know what? It's still there. <laughs> uh, yeah, oh, this I was uh, I I've been really busy with work this week, but I, I popped this on while I was doing something a little less mentally taxing, and it's just it was a nice soundtrack pretty much the whole time. Like I said, a couple of tracks I didn't get as into, but just every he's. F- Flying colors on every element going on here. Mm-hmm. Um, not least of which, just how he plays with his band. And this this gives so much room for his like core band to really show off, even on the mm-hmm. the obvious hit singles like Rocket Man. Like the just the musicality is really allowed to flow, and the the crazy syncopated rhythms on Honky Cat, and how like kind of tricky and jazzy and like New Orleans funk that becomes, while still undeniably, like a pop hit. I just, I love that yeah. balance he's able to take. Yeah. And the, is it like an organ in Mellow at the end where it gets in... Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, there's so much... Yeah, there's a lot of different instruments and a lot of different noises in it, too. So many and moments. A lot of Elton's phrasing, just in how he delivers the lyrics, is yeah. really mm-hmm. fun. I was thinking of uh, Amy... Uh, Amy, was, I may not be James D. Amy, I may not be Syncopation. Uh, may not be yeah. James Dean. Man. And that's something, too. Like, I I was trying to think about... Because I know earlier in my life when I first found Elton, it was just all Elton. Then I realized it's just this duo of Bernie Taupin and Elton John um, creating everything. Um, yeah. And I just made me in a way that actually made me appreciate Elton even more because there's something to, we have all these, you know, all these brilliant lyrics from Bernie, but then as Elton said himself, when he reads them, he sees like a movie play in his head and you can definitely mess it up if you turn it into, uh, like if you, however you interpret that through music, but he was able to do it not only in a great, but it also in a very imaginative way with that syncopation, with that, all these different elements of like music coming into it to lift up these songs. Yeah, yeah. It's a very unusual partnership, uh, and kind of old-fashioned that the music guy, the music guy, and the lyrics guy. Yeah, it's an interesting thing to see in '70s rock. Um, and wow, they they work together so much. Were were they romantically involved? I mean, I, I any de- self-respecting Elton fan would know all about this, <laughs> but uh, I, I have to ask. I really, I'm not sure the the nature of their relationship. Have you seen Rocket Man? I haven't seen Rocket Man even. Yeah. Oh. oh. So what's what's their See, deal? I would highly recommend it. Um, it's so good. It's on the list. Yeah. It's such a good movie. It's, it's uh, such a good movie. They were not. Um, okay. Yeah. I believe Elton at some point. Well, at that point too, Elton was kind of just mess flirting around. No pun intended with his own 
sexuality. Um, yeah, yeah. For a while, he also came out as bisexual, and then eventually he fully came out as uh, as gay. But I think because Bernie was such a close friend that he worked with so closely too, I think that was part of like, oh, would it be? But Bernie was always pretty. Uh, kept it professional even though they were close friends up until today but yeah they were never romantically involved hmm. well i don't know if it's like just hollywood if i'd but you know there's that scene in rocket man where he like tries, he makes a move on him right and bernie's yeah. like he's like no 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 <laughs> <laughs> well i mean enough cocaine will make you do anything so mm. yeah. sad, i suppose <laughs> it seemed like a very sober moment though <laughs> yeah i think i think Part of I think it was a condensed version of possible like uh, you know yeah. things that went on because yeah very he's such a good guy in the movie Bernie I love I don't need, I don't know anything about Bernie before watching the movie I know he I know he was a lyricist and everything but I didn't know like what his personality was or anything and like the movie made me like love Bernie Taupin mm. yeah Bernie's uh, the little bit I know about Bernie is very interesting what's uh, I know. For the longest time, I was convinced that he was American and not British, um, uh, just because of his like loving of Westies and cowboys and all that kind of a deal. Yeah, um, and tumbleweed connection with the the Southern American fascination. Yeah, and that's too also comes through in their retrospective album, like their "Hey, this has been our career," almost autobiographical album, Captain Fantastic, and then Bernie is the brown dirt cowboy. Um, mm. But, uh, yeah, and he kind of lived that life, too. When he, before before uh, being the lyricist and before getting into that partnership, he worked on a farm. Um, and coming out of Elton's uh, recent autobiography, Me, uh, he was saying that before they worked uh, together and got, you know, famous, he was gathering, like... If I remember correctly, gathering chicken heads in a wheelbarrow around the farm and like collecting and cleaning up. Oh um, so he was he was doing rough farm work. Um, so I guess he has a bit of a, a, a root to that. So hardworking, hardworking individual. Uh, and I think part of me wonders if if that bit of a country southern twang, just from his own outlook, is part of the reason why Elton saw that and adopted that almost southern twang in some of his singing. Maybe that's why. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I love that part about his voice. Oh, for sure. It's kind of a, it's a real crossover. Um, I'm trying to think of any other British singer who does that. Because I feel like there's at least one or two others, but I, he, he's probably the, Mick Jagger kind of gets into that a little bit, right? Yep. Yeah. You I know was what? thinking about you know that what? too, actually. Th 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 there are times in the vocals of, of Elton in this album where I'm like, whoa. Very Van Morrison. Mm -hmm. Well, it's, it's again, it's that inflecting a little melisma and a little, like at the end of all your your vocal yep. phrases. Yeah. And what a, a different vibe from Van Morrison, though. <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> part of me, too, wonders how much of the influence of that and maybe even a bit of the twang is from him being so influenced by blues. Oh, it's got to um, be. Because... Yeah, black artists. I mean, mm -hmm. that's got to be his... For influences, that's got to be his bread and butter. Come yeah, on. like what? What are like? Who are like Elton's like top three? You know, right? I, I know bet they're all blues guys from the fifties, but that's just a guess. Well, for sure, 
I mean, I know, I, again, in the autobiography, he commented on one of his first musical awakenings as far as rock being uh, Elvis Presley. Yeah, okay. that checks um, out, too. But I know, like, for instance, before he became, before he even became Elton, back when he was just Reg Dwight, he was in uh, the band Bluesology. So that was, he was like the backing musician for basically just a blues band with a horn section and everything, which you suppose can come back in things like Honky Cats. So that's kind of where he's used to, but... I think he never really, and rightfully so, he never really got uh, the full blues, you know, feel out of him. Yeah. It's it's funny. Usually with a white British artist, I don't like hearing them mimic or emulate the blues too much. Uh, I mean, I'm thinking of examples like the Rolling Stones or whatever, uh, Eric Clapton or the Beatles. Like, I it, it often just doesn't hit me in the right way or it seems like a watered down version of something they really like but it's not coming quite across but with elton john for whatever reason with that piano man i i want him to go out like uh go full out uh dr john alan toussaint like i (laughs) I, I, it really suits him still somehow it's amazing how he pulls it off i think we touched on a lot of it but i think it's interesting I'll, i'll i'll read a couple things one of which being uh so i did this for Mm -hmm. um our previous talk on final cut but i never really brought it up but i think it's interesting to look up the rolling stone reviews because they they have their old reviews from like 72 um so what they wrote about honky chateau is elton john's honky chateau is a rich warm satisfying album that stands head and shoulders above the morass of current releases and has now succeeded in toppling the stones from the top spot on the charts in only three weeks musically more varied emotionally less contrived lyrically more lucid than tumbleweed connection chateau rivals elton john as his best work to date and evidences growth at every possible level Agreed. Uh, I was yeah. I was gonna say I'm, I'm, I agree with that. And then it ends with Honky Chateau was ultimately a solid work with enough happening to keep someone listening for weeks to try to absorb everything on it. And as addition, as each additional layer is re- revealed to the listener, he is constantly reminded that is that this is one of the area. Well, excuse me, one of the rare albums released this year worth pursuing at length for awards. Each additional, which hearing this uh, fifty years later, the idea of nineteen seventy two had a lack of good music right? is just insane to that's me right what blew now. my mind but, too um and i don't remember what time of the year this was released but no yeah that's kind of wild uh one of the rare albums released this year worth pursuing at length for it rewards each additional playing with increased enlightenment and enjoyment um that coupled with the idea that there's a quote from elton john himself uh when the album came out uh talking about how he feels like it would basically be like a a career renaissance or like a launching pad uh saying you know the beatles made five or six uh good standard albums and that was something new something special that took them one pace up that was that's what i think this is going to do for me especially in this country where i feel like i've gone down in a few people's estimations um which is Mm. interesting too because the previous album Madman Across uh, the Water is supposed to be one of his best too, right? <laughs> it, it it did, but that was also previous to that. Tumbleweed Connection cracked top ten, but tumble but Madman halted at eleven. Um, wow, weird. And that's weird. And it's interesting because I think Tumbleweed even only got really big later on when Elton himself rised up. Tumbleweed yeah. was like okay, but like I kind of mentioned earlier on, your song was like 
Elton's in America. Elton's, you know, Elton's here. And then it's slowly been kind of dwindling down further to the point where Madman Across the Water didn't even crack top 10 billboards. Um, So I think they were kind of feeling like, all right, so we got to get back. I know there's another quote somewhere where um, this is, I believe, from Bernie. Yes, it is. Uh, talking about it before it came out. Uh, it's going to be a really funky album. It will shock a few people. I think we've gone as far as we can on the grand scale of things with string arrangements and that. We just want to get back to the roots. Yep. So, okay. Yeah. He said that before Honky? Yeah, so he said that in the in the lead up to Honky. Um, that this is That's going to be getting like back this to album. the roots. Um, and then one more quote I have from the sound engineer, Ken Scott. Uh, the decision wow. had been made that Man Man Across the Water was the end of Chapter 1, and that it was about mm. time to move on and do something completely different, and that something was Honky Chateau. So, it's... Mm-hmm. He does sound just very, like, refreshed and, like, pumped up and excited. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, he definitely feels like he's... he, And, I mean, the the quote from the engineer, and everyone seems like... Like the the through line to those three quotes from Bernie, Ken, and Elton seem to be like, all right, this is it. This is the this is the first step in this new journey yeah. towards a revitalized, new push in in various aspects. Getting back to roots for Bernie, you know, getting to to bring myself back up in in the in the states for Elton, and Ken just being like, well, this is a new way for the band, you know, as a sound goes. So. So yeah. does Bernie have some kind of crazy life? Like, what's he writing from? Personal experience, or he's just such a good writer? Yeah. He can take off any. He can take on any perspective and write all these crazy. They they mostly sound like kind of fantastical yeah. stories to me. Like Honky Cat, <laughs> just the idea of a you know I'm a country bumpkin. I got to get back to the country away from the city. It's like trying to find gold in a silver mine. He's like it's like a Gilbert and Sullivan deal. It's it's very larger than life. Mm. He's got so many lyrics like that across, too, that are just like, got to get back to the country. Even going back to Goodbye Yellow Brick Road, you know, back to the... What do you guys think of I'm Going to Kill Myself (laughs) and the whole thing going on there? uh, Yeah, I was going to say, like, what? so what's he... I got to look at the lyrics I think it's a a campy, like, tongue-in-cheek satire of, like, teenage angst and rock and roll and just really uh, um, all-music critic... Uh, yeah. Stephen Thomas Erlewine calls it surprisingly cynical and nasty. I, I kind of felt that way. It's it's very uh, kind of Britishly cynical with the tap dancing. Are you kidding I, me? Right? Yeah, that's what I was gonna. I was gonna say. I heard reports, and I haven't been able to find a video of it. I didn't do a deep deep dive, but I heard legs, that he actually did Larry bring Smith, on, uh, a tap dancer, when he would play it live. Legs. Yeah. Um, so I could just imagine. This sight of Elton doing that piano, you know, progression, and then the tap dancer coming out, and then just uh, mm-hmm. occasionally interrupted by "Kill Myself." <laughs> Ooh, a little suicide. I did not know that song. I was shocked when I saw the oh, title. <laughs> like that must have been pretty controversial. I don't huh? know. I th- I think uh, at least at the t- I mean it would be nowadays. Yeah, I don't think you could release but it. I, I think at the time maybe people got the joke a little bit. I don't That's know. That's true. Yeah, because I, I didn't see a lot of. I mean, it's jokey. Like it's it's not. It it feels like a, a comedy bit. Yeah. Yeah. No. Between, I I think there's so much in there that leads it to possibly I don't know if I want to say a sense of sarcasm, but a sense of. Yeah. You know the music's so 
directly opposes the subject between the kind of like almost vaudeville style like piano uh, interrupted then by the full-on tap dancing. Um, I think it was cited somewhere I saw in a book that specifically talked about either music writing or lyric writing where you could do the whole, you know, music subverts the expectations of the lyrics, like as the example for it. Yeah, I mean, that's it's many, whenever an artist does that, I'm always curious. I love that mixture of uh, really difficult or sometimes upsetting ideas, but like with really happy sounding music. And it's, it's, it's kind of a neat little trick the artist can pull. Yeah. It's interesting to me that this, al- this album has Rocket Man as track number five. Just nestled in the the middle. I there. know. To my ears, it's really the standout single. I don't know how you guys feel. It should have been replaced with "Think I'm Gonna Kill Myself," <laughs> like an order yeah. of a song. Oh man, it is definitely an eclectic listen because we go like honky cat, really, really like up tempo, poppy. We got that, you know, and then it goes into mellow. I love that diminished chord and mellow. So it kind of peaks and valleys. Yeah. And it ends on Hercules, which is a really fun one. Yeah, yeah. I hadn't. I don't think I'd ever heard that tune before for whatever reason. But that that was one I kind of enjoyed at the end. A lot of doo wop in general too. Like both, it kind of is is bookended by that. Um, uh, like a little bit of doo wop, which is fun. I remember really liking Susie in parentheses dramas, but I'm not remembering how it goes off the top of my head. I don't know if you guys can refresh my memory. That's real. That's so a catchy. funky one. I like his, his feel of rhythm in that. That's really what I love his, most about him. Yeah, his vocals are so good. Is that the same Susie that we're referring to in Crocodile Rock? There's a whole John extended canon that we just don't know about. Benny all about Susie, man. The EJU. Yeah, exactly. Yep. The most ambitious crossover in history. <laughs> oh, jeez. You guys like Tiny Dancer? Uh, I think it's hard not to like that song on some level. It's just yeah. perfectly manufactured FM rock. Yeah. So good. He He really handles that higher register so well, too. Like I'm just thinking of the like his singing yeah. on Tiny Dancer, um, and Rocket Man too. Like the Rocket Man. He does it in Someone Saved My Life Tonight. Yeah, that too. What's interesting he too, likes, and he just, now, his vocals soar. What's really f- interesting is um, having seen him live recently on the Farewell Olympic Road Tour. One of the things that I love about him as a musician in general too is that he can't really hit those high notes anymore uh yep. as, as consistently but he doesn't try to no he well that's he a freddie alters... mercury trick too you like yeah. sing it differently so you don't have to reach up it, there exactly and he does it so wonderfully yeah. like some songs i think almost sound even better in this deeper richer tone uh mm. than the constant high the okay. only one that i think he consistently tries to hit a higher note on is someone saved my life tonight um, but all the others, like from, I believe it was Madman Across the Water, Indian Sunset, um, like that, he sings in a higher register, not like a Crocodile Rock higher register, but higher register in the album, official album version. But I think him having a 
deeper or a, a richer tone lends itself to it. And I, I really appreciate that because I know there's a few musicians, I can't think of any off the top of my head, but I know the whole like, oh, we're still trying to hit the notes, okay? <laughs> I don't know if it's coming across as well, but he can just kind of, and it makes sense since he's the music person behind everything, that he could just be like, all right, so now we're just adjusting it though to fit what I can do now, and it'll still sound as good, if not even better in some points, so. It's so smart mm-hmm. to change the melody, you know? Yeah, like Fre- like Freddie, like Freddie would, um, Bohemian Rhapsody. So you think you can let me leave me to die? Yeah. Instead of doing that, he's like, to die. Because yeah. you just can't sing it like that man. night after night when you're on tour or what have you. Yeah, like running around. Yeah, I bet Elton has a super robust, low voice nowadays, huh? I was surprised. I heard his recent collaboration with Gorillaz. I was surprised with how low his voice is. I mean, I guess I should expect it. He's he's like seventy now or whatever. But yeah, I love. Really occupies a pretty low spot. I loved that song. Wait, wait, what's what's that song called? And when did it come out? Uh, the Pink Phantom came out earlier, later last year. Um, yeah, twenty twenty. Yeah, no, yeah, it's he sings great. on a Gorillaz song. It's so good. The he is a fun music video where he's in like gorilla style. <laughs> yeah, um, he's he's animated. Man, but in no, his but old that's get up and everything. Yeah, that's usually what he this giant animated piano that just keeps getting larger. Um, <laughs> Look at him collaborating with people younger younger folk. I mean, he has a radio show. I forget what it's called, but he he has contemporary artists on pretty frequently, and he's he's very like up to date with. Uh, trends in music like he likes unknown mortal orchestra and stuff he's he's a pretty hip guy yeah really another interesting and i feel like this ties into it and i'm almost certain because i i feel like i remember in the autobiographies he wrote that he keeps doing it ever since he was little he always kept like a very strict look at the top chart like the charts um and he would be like i would write them down and i would keep note and i would so because like so the charts were very important to him and from what i remember he still keeps an eye on the tops as far as like the music charts um wow so that makes sense yeah he's he's got his finger on the pulse of a lot which just shows his own you guys know steven wilson mm-hmm. name sounds familiar he was uh, the frontman of a band called Porcupine Tree. It was his project, and then he. Oh, went... I, I saw his ad on on Facebook recently for his new album. Did you? And then he went solo for like the last like fifteen years, and um, he's going he's going more pop now, and it's like a big thing in like his community and <laughs> like the the prog rock community because everyone like kind of hates it, <laughs> but he's like getting bigger because of it, so he's like bigger than ever, but like. He's losing a lot of his original fans because he's like really going pop. But he just released an album and um, like last year, 2020, and he has a song called Personal Shopper. And he really wanted Elton John to his voice voice. on it to like read off like items in a list. It's like a talk. He wanted his talking voice. He wanted a very recognizable voice. So he contacted like Elton's old like tour manager or something. He like had they had like a mutual contact and he was able to reach. Elton hmm. and he's like he's like I got a call from like France or something like that he's like and I had a feeling it was Elton and then he picked up and then Elton's like Steven I fucking love your song uh, let's do it man and, he, and he's like oh he's like it was the best and then he was like he did it with such grace and he was so um, positive about it and really enthusiastic about it so he's on it yeah I I heard I heard some YouTube clip him uh, on his on a show complimenting uh, Father no John way. Misty on his recent album saying how much of a fan he wow. was yeah he's he, it's a man of taste. Well, kind of getting to uh, 
the close of, of this uh, album discussion here at Honky Chateau. How, how does it sit for you guys overall, just in the context of Elton John's career, or like, are there particular songs that you just you love so much? And how, how does how does this album feel overall for you? Would you say super solid, super instrumental in his career? And I definitely have to say with uh, go with Rocket Man and uh, Mellow and Susie. I think I'd say. Yeah, I think I think they hit the nail on the head, and they achieved what they were going for in those quotes that I read earlier. With this being, I think when Elton really fully came into his own. I mean, it's it's weird to say that when he's got songs like Leave On and Your Song and everything like that under his belt already. But I feel like this is like the most consistent classic, or you know iconic Elton that we get and then it leads into that long line of seven so I would say yeah this is a quintessential album of his um as far as as far as my tops from this album I think I'm gonna go Honky Cat Hercules I actually really like Hercules um and yeah I'll back Mellow too how do you all feel about Mona Lisa's and Mad Hatter's? Oh man, I forgot that that album exi- I forgot that that song was on this album. I actually absolutely love Mona Lisa's and Mad Hatter's. Um, maybe it's because I grew up in New York myself. <laughs> yeah, some real New York City commentary there, huh? Yeah, so like I remember, I have a very weird and vivid memory of Mona Lisa's and Mad Hatter's, which is I first heard about it because I got this dvd box set from elton john called elton john's dream ticket and it had him playing mona lisa's and mad hatters i'm like i've never heard the song this isn't on the greatest hits album Mm. um and like having to search for it and then finally one day finding it and being like this is this beautiful (laughs) song that i heard and now i got it on this album um so i actually really love it and i love how uh pared down it is yeah, I'm a, I'm, I'll throw out Mellow from my top three, and I'll put in Mona Lisa's. <laughs> Which cool. I know is great, because I, I remember you saying it was maybe your least favorite on the album, Tom. <laughs> well, that got replaced by Salvation. But Fair. There, it, it, to, to throw uh, extend an olive branch a little bit, I mean, there are Elton John albums where I'm like, especially when it, it's there's, you know, the track the numbers of tracks go up and up on uh, Goodbye Yellow Brick Road or something like that, where there, there's songs here and there, I'm like, oh, this kind of feels like a throwaway a little bit or just a goofy mm-hmm. aside. Um, even if I don't... I mean, I'm somebody who doesn't like going to Disneyland at all, so I don't don't always take <laughs> what I say with a grain of salt. I, I just... I've, when Elton John gets to, like, all right, everybody, we gather together and we're, we're all... Humanity, humanity. Yeah, like when he's just this... It's a small world after all. (laughs) It's a small world after all, everybody. You know, he's got to be this huge, larger-than-life icon. I I tap out a little bit, but that's... I didn't get the feeling with this album that there's really any, like, dip, you know. It's it's taste, too, but he really just had his... It feels like he had his sights set on uh, really achieving something with this, and it it does show. Mm -hmm. Um, So, uh, yeah... It, it this album did flow like i said i was listening to it while i was catching up on some work and just it was a very comfortable experience the whole time uh if we were to sum up this album in in three words uh, i'm gonna hear from y'all in a minute but i would Woo. say for this one uh funky 
cheeky Ooh, and elegant. I was going to say bluesy, playful, and I was going to say rich in terms of like the amount of depth and such. So that's that's just me qualifying mm. rich, but yeah. I like it. I'm going to go with expressive, funky, and classic. All right. We did it. Hope you enjoyed that. And I hope I didn't offend any Elton John fans. I, sorry, just felt compelled to speak my mind. But uh, anywho, thanks so much for, uh, for checking out this podcast today. I hope uh, if you enjoyed it that you might want to write a review or leave a rating on uh, iTunes and what have you. Also, if you are a, uh, if you're a Moondog, you're a Niagara Moon fan, and uh, you want to check out the latest and greatest in what's uh, been going on recently, I made a new Facebook group, the Pantheon Bar, a Moondogs Club. And we're having a lot of fun in there already. We've, we've got, a good, got a good group going and uh, sharing lots of funny stuff and stories and polls. And uh, I'm going to be doing a live stream in there. And that actually might become a uh, regularly, regularly recurring thing. Uh, we're, uh, chatting, hang with you all and, you know, mix it up. I know that must sound awfully vague. Uh, so to get a full idea of what's going on in there and, uh, tap into the community, just check out the Pantheon Bar, a Moondogs Club Facebook group. If you're someone who likes to spend time on Facebook. All right. I'm going to see you next week and I don't know what we'll be talking about yet, but I'm sure it'll be amazing. Have a good rest of your week. Bye-bye.